Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. Happy Mother's Day. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us. As you come in, find a seat. I'm going to begin with a, a brief call to worship. We're going to sing uh, a song that's pretty familiar to you all, not a new song, but a song that has meant a lot to me and my family over the past year. Uh, last June, my family and I, we started our, our foster care journey, and we got a call in the middle of the night, and uh, we ended up taking in a little boy, and we thought he was going to be with us for a few nights, but uh, ends up he is still with us right now, and it's a hard and it's a broken thing that we're walking through. But when we thought that he was going to be with us just for a few nights, uh, our prayer was, how can we make a mark on this little kid's life for the kingdom, for the gospel? And he wasn't the best sleeper, so I'd walk into his room about to lay him down. And I, I thought, well, I'm a worship pastor. Maybe I can sing to him uh, and soothe him a little bit before he goes to bed. And I was just praying, God, what, what should I sing to this little boy? And the words came to mind. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And so this has become the song that we sing over him, and we pray that one day he would come to know Christ, that he would truly be a child of God. And I want this to be a reminder for us this morning as well, that we would remember who we are. We would remember our inheritance in Christ. Would you stand with us as we sing? Let's sing this together. Who the sun sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Love. 
remember our inheritance together and sing, I'm chosen, not for sin. I am chosen, not for sin. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not for sin. Mother's Day Fellowship. Hey, we're so happy that you're here worshiping with us. If you're new, there's going to be a QR code that you've heard a ton about. Go ahead, scan that thing. It'll give you all the information you need to get settled in and get connected. But to you mothers, hey, we just want to say thank you. I mean, it is a noble job. It's a noble calling to be a mother. And to all of you, thank you and happy Mother's Day. Hey, this Tuesday from 7 to 8.30 in this room is a ladies' worship night. That's right, Tuesday, 7 to 8.30 in this room, ladies' worship night. I will not be there. You can guess why, but I would encourage all of you women to come, find a night to rest, connect, and worship a little bit together. Also, next week, we start our Hebrew series. And so in the back, you can find in the foyer the Hebrews devotional guides. Those are $5 if you need to pick up one during the week, you can head to the training center, office, or front desk, and somebody will be there to help you out. Hey, this morning is a special morning because we get to do some parent-child dedications. And so I'm gonna invite Miss Robin Yates up here. Hey, if you would, say thank you to Robin and her team. She, she is absolutely unbelievable. She oversees our early childhood team and this is one of my favorite things to do. Actually, Robin, would you just describe to everybody about Fellowship Child Care? If I asked you that, what would you say? <laughs> I would say, Caleb Michael Freeman. We do not She's do child use, care. You're going to use my middle name no. on stage. She's going to start yelling at me on no. stage. I love to no. ask that because Robin, she'll tell you, we don't do child care here. No, we disciple young children into followers of Christ. And she and her team have dedicated their life to doing just that. And here in a little bit, we're actually going to let some parents dedicate their lives to their children, and we're going to offer those children to the Lord. So, Robin, would you yeah. introduce these families? Yeah. Thanks, Caleb. Yeah, we, we love to help kids find and follow Jesus. So we, we want to disciple the next generation, and you guys are a part of that. So for our parents, this is the first milestone really in, in their lives as parents as they dedicate these children. So we're super excited for that this morning. So we, we got to do this at 8 o'clock, and we'll do it again at 11. But for this service, we have six families who are coming to join us today, and we'll just start with the Bellamys. Ellie Grace Bellamy, her parents are Brett and Katie. She has a big brother, Brooks. <laughs> Ellie Grace is a testament to God's goodness in a season of a lot of unknowns. Her big brother, Brooks, adores her, and so do her six older boy cousins. <laughs> we pray, in addition to her bow, <laughs> that she will be clothed with strength and dignity as a woman of God. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
Ellie. <laughs> Ellie Ann Brown. Ellie's parents are Thomas and Paige, and she also has a big brother, Elijah. Ellie has added so much laughter and smiles to our family. She's strong and determined, just like the generations of women that came before her. <laughs> Aiden Loeb Chancellor. Her parents are Logue and Sarah. They say he is always on the move. He loves being outside and looking at his big sister, River, the German Shepherd. <laughs> yes. Sawyer James Smith. Sawyer's parents are Jacob and Natalie. Sawyer loves to talk to his daddy and snuggle with his mommy. We're excited to watch him grow as God helps him become the man he was created to be. <laughs> and we have Evelyn Jane Stefanik. Her parents are Nick and Lauren. So after four years of infertility, the Lord blessed us with Evelyn Jane. Evie is sweet and affectionate, determined and adventure-seeking. She loves people, music, and doing anything outside. So they are praying that God uses those traits to bring him glory in all that she does. <laughs> and we have Blair K. Teekle. Her parents are Alex and Karen. So Blair, you bring us so much joy. We feel blessed to have you as our daughter, and we pray that you will accept Jesus as your Savior and trust him. We love you. <laughs> well, hey, fellowship, it's fun to look up here because this is the future. Hey, I would encourage you. That's right, boys, keep going. Hey, I would encourage you to pick a family up here, pick some kids, some parents, add them to your prayer list. And if you don't have one, now's the time to start because as you look up here, this is the future of fellowship. We've got future cell group leaders and worship leaders, ushers who will welcome people into this room, kingdom bearers, great neighbors, and disciples. And so we, as the body, we wanna pray them into that and we wanna guide them into it. Honestly, this is a big deal. This is a milestone, this moment for these families because it's a, it's a marker in their spiritual walk with their children. And so as we get ready to dedicate these parents to the Lord that he would enable them to raise godly children and as these parents dedicate themselves to their children and as we offer these sweet kids to the Lord that he would stir an awakening in their heart, we're gonna ask for some serious commitments. Serious commitments from you as the parents and from you as the body. And so parents, to you first, I've got some questions for you. Come on, man, you coming over here too? Okay, you wait right there. Hey parents, will you commit, will you commit to pray for your children, to go before the living God on their behalf each and every day? If so, say we will with God's help. And parents, will you commit to model a godly lifestyle for your children do so by engaging in the spiritual disciplines and enacting godly habits. If so, say we will with God's help. And will you commit to focus on the Lord and his word, training your children in the way they ought to go? If so, say we will with God's help. Amen. Hey, to you fellowship, we know it takes a village to raise some kids and it takes the body of Christ to make disciples. And so I charge you, fellowship, will you commit to praying for these parents, these children, the families of fellowship? If so, say we will with God's help. And will you commit to take the opportunity to encourage, invest in, and serve these families, these children, these parents, the families of fellowship? If so, say we will with God's help. Well, amen. Hey, as we embark on these commitments, 
Let's go ahead and pray together. And let's pray over these families, these kids, and these parents. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, thank you so much for the gift of children because that's what they are, Lord. We just say thank you for these families here that you have given these children, these parents. We trust that you have a plan. And so, Lord, for Elsie, you have given the Bellamy family a gift in her. Brooks, dude, you are the luckiest big brother in the world. And all the cousins adore her. Jesus, would you equip this family to raise her? Would you clothe her in dignity that she might be strong in you, Jesus? And for the Brown family, Lord, what a treasure it is to know them. And for sweet Ellie Ann Brown, Luke 145 says that she is blessed who knows the promises of the Lord. And we pray that that would be true for her, that she would know and trust and believe in the promises that God has made to her. What an example, just in these two, in Thomas and Paige that she has, and a legacy of godly women in her family. Jesus, make that true of her. Enable the Browns to raise her for sweet Aiden. Eyes open, looking out. This boy isn't afraid of anything. And Jesus, we pray that that would be true all of his life, that he would be just like his daddy, strong and courageous. Before you formed this boy, you knew him. And before Sarah held him, they have been praying for him. Jesus, we pray that you would use him, that you would use him to bring others to know you and that he would be a picture of your grace. Jesus, for sweet Sawyer, what a gift he is to his parents, but Lord, how precious it is and that he has the father of Jacob and Natalie as his mom. I have gotten to witness your faithfulness through this man, through this dad serving for years and years. May that be true of Sawyer, that he would be a faithful follower of you. Would the Lord bless him and keep him, make his face shine upon him, that Sawyer would be an instrument in your kingdom, Lord. And for sweet, sweet Evie. Jesus, it has been years praying for this girl. I remember sitting at lunch with her dad praying for her. And now, Lord, look at your plan unfold. And it couldn't be any better. Jesus, for Nick and Lauren, we just pray for humility and strength. Would you give Evie an undivided heart and one that fears you and your name alone, Jesus? We've prayed over this girl. Now, Lord, continue to grow her into the young woman that you want her to be. Thank you for her, Jesus. And for Blair. Oh, Lord, the Techleys are amazing parents. And Jesus, they love you with their whole heart. Would that be true of Blair? Just like her parents pray, we pray the same thing, that she would accept you, that she would know you, and that she would walk with you. If she has any doubt how to do that, look to her mom and look to her dad. Lord, we pray Romans 15, 13 over her, that you would fill her with joy and peace and an abundance of the Holy Spirit. May this, this precious girl, Lord, who you love, be one that brings so many into your love. Jesus, we pray these things over these families, over these parents. We offer them to you. You know what you're doing. May we just step into your plan and faithfully follow you. We love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, parents, thank you. What a privilege it is. You guys can head back to your seats. If you're gonna drop your kids off, remember, you're not going to childcare, you're going to disciple-making rooms. So take them in there. Hey, fellowship to you as well. Thank you. I, I meant it. Take your phone out. Take a picture of these names. Add these families to your prayer list. It is a joy to do life together, and it's a privilege that we get to jump into life with one another. And we're excited to worship with you all today. Let's continue to sing of the gospel this morning and all that Christ has done for us.
Continue to remember who he is and what he has done for us. We sing this truth. Jesus paid it all. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch you find in me thine own. song be a prayer oh Lord would you find in me a humble spirit and contrite heart that leans on you depends on you you are our hope we see for nothing good have I whereby thy grace to claim I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary 
based on this passage of scripture from Acts 17 where Paul walks into the Areopagus and he sees this idol to the unknown God and Paul says to these people I know who that God is the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else for in him we live rest in this truth this morning as we sing.
to talk about on Mother's Day. You know, part of our, our tradition, our commitment here at Fellowship, we, we've intentionally named ourselves Fellowship Bible Church because we want to be marked by two things, living life together in community and then being people who are shaped by the Word of God. 
And we wanna go to the word of God for everything in life. And so when we come to a day like this, we wanna keep that tradition going. We don't wanna break from that. And so we wanna go to the word of God and see what God has to say. And wouldn't it be nice if there were a passage of scripture dedicated to celebrating faithful women? Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, it exists in, in Proverbs chapter 31. We go to it often, but what if, what if we missed it? What if we've been misreading this little bit of wisdom on what it looks like to celebrate the faithful woman of God? How would that affect the way we live our lives? We're gonna dive in. We're so committed to the Bible, it's gonna take two Bibles this morning um, to get through it. So, hey, turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 31, and we're gonna take a little read. Let me tell you a little bit about the context of how the book of Proverbs is structured. It's structured as if an older, wiser man is speaking to a younger man and saying, hey, this is the perspective you need to embrace if you're gonna live life well. I'm gonna tell you some things that you need to see. So first of all, uh, men in the room, if you are even slightly inclined to check out as we read a passage about faithful women, let me remind you, the original audience is men, okay? It's telling men, what are you looking for and what are you celebrating in godly women? So if you are married to a woman, have a mother, or have ever met a woman, this applies to you. So hopefully we're all in, right? Proverbs 31, we're gonna start in verse 10 and read and try to gain a picture of what is this faithful woman worth celebrating look like. Uh, the, the older man says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax materials and works with eager hands. She attacks her work with eagerness. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night, early in the morning before the sun is rose, when it's still dark, she's up eager to get at it. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She's bringing in the things that her family needs. She is providing for her family. She considers a field and buys it. Apparently, she's in investment realty. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's also now, she's getting into agriculture. Um, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks, so she makes time for CrossFit in there. And she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. She's literally burning the midnight oil, staying up late into the night to get all these things done. In her hand, she holds the distaff. I don't know what a distaff is. I looked it up, I read about it, I did my research. It has to do with a spinning wheel, but I still couldn't understand it. So if you're particularly interested in ancient Near Eastern spinning wheels, I encourage you to go do research on that on your own. I've got nothing for you. And she grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Not only is she so um, prosperous and successful that she's able to provide for her family and her household, she can extend that blessing beyond to people in need in the community. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She's not afraid of danger. She's secure in the safe place that she's been able to provide for her family. She makes covering for her bed she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat among the elders of the land. Her character actually reflects well on her husband, so he's thought of well. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. So the stuff that she makes for her family is of such high quality, she's able to go into a business on Etsy and start selling her stuff to the, people, the business people in the world. She's clothed with strength and dignity. This speaks to her inner character. And she can laugh at the days to come. That means she's not afraid, she doesn't have anxiety, she doesn't have fear or worry, she's so grounded and confident in who she is, she has no fear about the future, completely secure. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She's wise and she knows what to say. She has insight that people lean on for understanding. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness, obviously. 
Her children arise and call her blessed. Her kids just adore her. She just wakes up every morning and walks out into the kitchen and goes, oh, mom, you're wonderful. And her husband also, he praises her. Like he just can't stop talking about how great she is. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. So in summary, what do we see about the Proverbs 31 woman? This woman of God, this woman of faithfulness, if we were to just outline what we, what we read about her, she makes her family's clothes by hand. She works in import, export, investment, realty, and agriculture. She only needs four hours of sleep every night because apparently she's staying up way past midnight and getting up before sunrise. Uh, she volunteers with the poor in her extra time. Uh, she has a thriving boutique clothing business. She always has a wise insight to share. She's absolutely fearless and adored by her husband and children. Are there any women in here who feel just a little bit crushed under the weight of the Proverbs 31 woman? I think we could borrow well Eliza Bennett's words here. I never saw such a woman. I never saw such capacity, taste, and application and elegance as you describe united into one person. It sounds impossible, doesn't it? I mean, how could anyone live up to this? How could any one human possibly live that kind of life? And yet here we have the Proverbs. I mean, does this not sound absolutely crushing for an old man to tell a young man, this is what you're looking for, this is what you should expect? Okay, so this leads to a really interesting question. What do we do when the Bible and life don't seem to line up? When there's a description of this is what you should expect given in the Bible, and in reality, it seems utterly impossible that you could ever expect that. Well, as people who fall under the authority of Scripture, who believe that God's Word tells us the perspective we should embrace, we have two options at this point. Either one, our expectation of reality is wrong, and we need to let our expectations be molded to what the Bible says. Or... Maybe we've misunderstood the Bible. The Bible's not wrong. We're taking that one off the table. But we may have misinterpreted it. So we need to be willing, when we feel this tension, to go back and dig in and read the scriptures and say, is there, is there something that we're missing here? By the way, that's one of our passions at this church, is not only do we want to teach the word on Sunday mornings, we also want to equip people to study their Bibles well. That's why we provide a class called Personal Bible Study that is all about equipping everyone to be able to study their Bibles and we're gonna be launching into that this summer on June 6th. I wanna invite you, go online and sign up and jump in on this because we want to be students of the word who dive in and understand. Now, there is something I'm convinced going on here in Proverbs 31 that maybe we missed. And so what we're gonna do for the next, I don't know, four minutes, I'm gonna ask you just to hang with me. We're gonna have a little crash course in cutting edge Hebrew grammar research. I know everyone woke up on Mother's Day and said what I would like as a gift today is a lesson in Hebrew grammar. <laughs> gift given, okay? So what, what students of Hebrew grammar have been doing is they, they've been, they're still digging into this language, trying to understand how it works. And, and here's what, I'm gonna try to summarize this as best I can. In Hebrew, there are two basic kinds of verbs. One kind describes actions as complete, the complete action, and the other describes action as incomplete and ongoing. Now, we tend, in English, we have past, present, and future verbs. In Hebrew, they have complete and ongoing verbs, or incomplete verbs. So we have a task as translators to figure out how do we best translate this. And while there's a lot of nuance, I'm going to paint with a really oversimplified broad brush here, the general tendency is to assume that these complete verbs translate as past tense actions and these ongoing incomplete are either present or future. Does that make sense? Except when we come to poetry and Proverbs. And we've always translated that different in our English Bibles. Here's why. We assume that when you get to poetry and Proverbs, that it's doing something a little different. It's describing the way life always is. I mean, think about the Proverbs we learned growing up. A stitch in time saves nine. The early bird gets the worm. You're describing this is the kind of thing that happens. So when we would get to poetry and wisdom literature, we would flatten out those two different kinds of verbs and translate them all as present tense, as if this is what always happens. So that's how you get the Proverbs 31 woman that apparently is doing all this amazing stuff all the time. 
But recently, some people have realized we've misunderstood how Hebrew poetry works. You see, they are not describing some kind of abstract ideal of what always happens. They're giving an example when they use that complete action. They're often giving an example of what happened so that we can gain wisdom on what happens. It's much more like the story of the boy who cried wolf. It's a story, this kind of thing happened once, and there should be a lesson about what happens when you lose your reliability of your word. There are consequences. And so, um, we now have a, a translation that's, uh, that's, that's come out very recently from, from the faculty at Dallas Seminary, and it's called the New English Translation. Um, it's really, really great. Now, by the way, all of our English translations are really good and really reliable. I do my morning devotionals in the NIV. I'm not knocking the NIV here. Um, they're really solid, reliable translations, but there is a nuance that's been captured here that I want to share with you. So we're going to read Proverbs 31 again, but with this new insight and the actions that are incomplete or ongoing are going to be translated that way, but the completed actions are going to be translated as something that this faithful woman has done. And remember the context, it's an old man talking to a younger man about what you look for. He's not gonna describe some theoretical ideal woman. He's gonna describe a real woman that he knows, probably this man's wife and the young man's mother. And let's see what that description reads like. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a wife of noble character? For her value is far more than rubies. Her husband's heart has trusted her, and he does not lack the dividends. She has rewarded him with good and not harm all the days of her life. She sought out wool and flax, then worked happily with her hands. She was like the merchant ships. She would bring in her food from afar. Then she rose while it was still night and provided food for her household, a portion to her female servants. And on these next ones, you could, you could almost add the phrase one time. This is describing an incident that happened. There was this one time she considered a field and bought it. From her own income, she planted a vineyard. She clothed herself in might and strengthened her arms. She perceived that her merchandise was good. Her lamp would not go out in the night. She extended her hands to the spool and her hands grasped the spindle. She opened her hand to the poor and extended her hands to the needy. She would not fear for her household in winter because all her household were clothed with scarlet because she made coverings for herself and because her clothing was fine linen and purple. Her husband's well known in the city gate when he sits with the elders of the land. She made linen garments, then sold them, and traded belts to the merchants. Her clothing was strong and splendid, and she laughed at the time to come. She's even opened her mouth with wisdom, with loving instruction on her tongue. Watching over the ways of her household, she would not eat the bread of idleness. Her children have risen and called her blessed. Her husband also has praised her. Many daughters have done valiantly, but you have surpassed them all. What we get in Proverbs 31 woman is not the day planner of an insanely semi-divine woman. We get the resume of a life well lived. A man who has lived decades with a faithful woman of God and he's saying, hey, you wanna know what a faithful woman looks like? Just think back about your mom. Do you remember the ways that she used to bless our family? Do you remember how in different seasons she took different things on and she was so successful and she had so much courage and faith with everything we were going through? It was incredible, wasn't it? See, with the Proverbs 31 description, it's not describing what every single day looks like with apparently children just praising mom every day because they have such an amazing relationship. Rather, it describes a woman of faith who faces each season's assignment with courage, character, and competence. And every season is gonna come with a different assignment. And with this perspective, the perspective that only the older man is able to have, the younger man can't see this because all of life is in front of him and he wants everything right now. He wants to have everything his heart can all imagine right now at this very moment. And the older man's able to say, no, 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 look back over the entire stretch of life and let me show you 
what a woman of faith's life looked like. Okay, can I give an insight for the younger man here? That means you will only ever know what it's like to be married to a Proverbs 31 woman if you stick with her long enough to see this faithfulness lived out over a lifetime. That's what allows the wise man to be able to celebrate this faithfulness is he's been in it with her through every season. He's gotten to see her take on different challenges as they arise and meet them where they were. Now, that also doesn't mean you have to love every season and every assignment. This is not saying that every season and every assignment is going to be awesome. In fact, my guess is there are a lot of people in here right now that the season that they're in makes Mother's Day especially painful. Maybe they're longing to be a mother and God hasn't given them that blessing. Maybe they long to be married and they're not. Maybe they're grieving the loss of their mother. And that makes this season particularly hard. The Proverbs are not saying that every season is gonna be your best life now. What the Proverbs are saying is that the faithful woman of God stays faithful in every season. And that is to be celebrated. Now, the original plan was that um, my wife was gonna join me at this time and we were gonna talk about what that looked like when, when this really clicked for her She's sick this morning and wasn't able to join us, so please pray for Cassie. But she, when she was a young, a young mom, we were newly married, um, she felt the weight of all these expectations. The image she said that came to her mind when she thought about those expectations was Cinderella, just having like more and more things piled on top of her over and over again until she was crushed under the weight of what everyone expected for her. She was really gifted in a lot of different ways, so she was getting recruited to follow a lot of different career paths, and she really felt like, I have these abilities, I need to go crush it in those. But at the same time, there was this expectation that she had to be the Pinterest perfect mom in every way. But then she also had to be this amazing spiritual leader in the church, and she had to be doing all these different ministries and engaged in all, and she was just being crushed under the weight of it. And then Lisa Schatzman invited her into a study from a family life curriculum called The Life Ready Woman by Shanti Feldman. And in that study, Shanti unpacked that there are these different domains of life um, that we're invited into, men and women. And roughly from Genesis, we can divide them as kind of the home life of the family, the out in the world, ruling and subduing career life, and then the spiritual discipleship life. And everyone is called to faithfulness in each of those three domains. But the lie is that you can give 100% to all three domains at the same time. No one's capable of doing that. And in the study, what she said was, hey, different seasons are gonna call you to weight those three differently. And the life-ready woman is the one who meets that season and that waiting with faithfulness. Cassie said when she heard that, she felt relief. She felt like somebody had taken the weight of everyone else's responsibilities off her shoulders and called her to be faithful to what God has put in front of her right now. See, a different season comes to a different assignment. And, and this Proverbs 31 woman, we have specific examples of the faithful life she lived, but if we had chosen a different woman, the examples would have looked different. Because God's gonna give different people different assignments in different seasons. And so the idea here is not to weigh how one person faces the season and say that is the example that everyone else has to be measured by. God calls everyone to faithfulness in the season he puts them in. Which then leads to a really interesting question. What's the young man supposed to do? He's just been told you're only gonna recognize this woman after decades of life with her. But he has a real practical question. Great, so what am I looking for right now? Did you notice we stopped short at the end of the proverb? Look at how it ends. In verse 30, it says, charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting. A woman who fears the Lord, she makes herself praiseworthy. Give her credit for what she has accomplished and let her works praise her in the city gates. 
He warns the young man, there are two things that could try to grab your attention. Don't be drawn in. Charm, that ability to to grab attention and, and magnetically pull people to yourself. He says, that will trick you. That will trick you into thinking there's a substance there that's not really there. Don't give in to charm. Beauty is fleeting. It disappears. It runs away. When we were early in our marriage, Cassie said to me that her fear was that as we grew older, she would no longer have her 21-year-old body, and that would affect our marriage negatively. And I said, Cassie, that's the goal. The goal is that we age and start looking awkward together. Like, that's what we're going after. That's the aim. Beauty's, that ideal body's gonna disappear. And guess what? Every culture has had a problem with creating an unrealistic ideal, right? The ancient Romans did it. They invested so many resources in making statues of some idealized body exactly the way it should be. Now we have photographs, but guess what? We can't even take a photograph of the ideal body because it doesn't exist. We then have to doctor the photograph to create some unrealistic image of beauty that can never exist in a real human being. And then we chase after that. And the old man says, don't chase that. It's like trying to grab smoke and hold it in your hand. It's gonna escape you and it's gonna run away. Charm will trick you. Beauty will flee from you. But the woman who fears the Lord Now look at this phrase in light of everything else in Proverbs 31. To the young man, he says, the young woman who fears the Lord will make herself praiseworthy. The young woman who fears the Lord will approach life in such a way that she will meet each season's assignments with courage, character, and confidence so that you can celebrate her. And you better celebrate her. What do we do as a church? What do we do as a people of God who need to celebrate well women in our midst? This last year, it's been tough for everybody, right? But I have heard statistically the bulk of a lot of the challenges of 2020 fell on women. As as schools closed, as kids went home, by the nature of our family structure, women tended to shoulder a lot of that burden. And the challenge to men in this passage is celebrate them. Recognize what they've done. Notice this is an older man celebrating his wife to their son, saying, look at what she's done. Celebrate what you see. Celebrate that gift of motherhood. And by the way, motherhood takes place in a lot of different venues. I'm convinced that it is in God's original design that he put the gift of motherhood in every woman. Some will express that gift through raising children. But the New Testament actually gives us a broader picture of family in the church. And some that gift will be expressed through spiritual motherhood in discipling young women so that that gift of motherhood could simply be defined as bringing the feminine image of God to bear such that you cultivate life in other people. And that's worth celebrating. So how do we practice that? We got the chance to hear from some men. Some men who have some decades of faithfulness. And they're not gonna tell you about an insane super week. They're gonna tell you about what they've been able to observe in their Proverbs 31 women. Both married men talking about their wives and, and talking about women in our church more broadly who have done this well. Let's take a look. My wife is, is endless in, in her efforts, in what she does for the, for the sake of the kingdom, in expanding her influence, and expanding her, her love of Jesus to, uh, to others. God bless me with a beautiful gift, Pam, my wife of 56 years. I'm celebrating Mother's Day, especially with my bride of 55 years, the mother of our four children, grandmother of 12, great-grandmother of one. Proverbs 31.10 asks the question, a wife of noble character, who can find? I did 52 years ago. Kathy doesn't just talk the talk. She walks the walk. She started out leading a cell group of young ladies 
for six years. And after that, she mentored and continues to mentor dozens and dozens of young ladies who now are married, have families of their own, and still are in constant touch with her uh, on a regular, regular basis. This morning, I actually wanted to talk to y'all about Robin Yates. Most of you probably know Robin as the early childhood director here at Fellowship, but what you may not know is Robin has a huge heart for everything global. Really a special moment that I saw when we were overseas is that one of our global worker kids, we were there when he was having a birthday. And so Robin planned a special event uh, just for him. And we took him out to the restaurant of his choice and the whole night was just about him. After the birthday dinner was over, I remember us walking outside and I looked over and, and Robin had just embraced this child and just said a prayer over him. And in my mind, it was, it was, such, a, it was such an intimate moment that I was thinking, is, is Robin related to this child? And he wasn't. But she treated him just like he was one of her own. I'm convinced that when God in his wisdom created Adam and Eve and he breathed that spirit into him, that he, there was a special breath that he had that was made specifically for moms. I look now at, at Anne and I see so much of her mom and her, her gift of service, her gift of love, her gift of reaching out to other people. But more than anything, that, that endearing love that she just has for, for her children, but also for children in general. It's, it's that mother's heart. She rises every morning early so we can have coffee and time together. And she tells me that time together is her favorite place. She finds joy in mentoring younger women and teaching them how important the Bible is in their life and how to love and serve Jesus. By God's grace, Pam seeks to be loving and tender, forgiving, generous, inspiring, and nurturing to her family first and to her neighbors and friends. And I've even seen her give love, patience, and respect to the clerks at the grocery store. So we have a daughter that's a very high needs um, daughter who's, uh, she has mental health issues, but my wife has been faithful with her, you know, and, it, and, is, and has loved her unconditionally, but also tough love, and she's, she hasn't wavered in her response to our daughter and, and in that challenge. She's passionate about her, her walk with Jesus and her love with, uh, for Jesus. I mean, she studies the Word. She, she loves God's Word, and so she um, has been faithful to, to remain in that and study that and learn it and, uh, and apply it to her life and have the Lord apply it to her life. And We took in a young uh, a single mom who's a student at the U of A. My wife has always wanted to do that, make our home available to, to a young mother where she can mentor them and work with them. She, uh, where she has an opportunity to pour her life into to someone else and in, in, into, this, into this girl and help her in this journey of motherhood and, and to help her develop as a mom and as well as develop as a woman. If you ask anyone that knows her to describe her in one or two words, they would probably say prayer warrior. She's forgiving, she's overflowing with grace and mercy and kindness and love. She is the wind beneath my wings. I love you, Kath. Happy Mother's Day. She is my life partner, my best friend, and she's my hero. We wish you the happiest of Mother's Day knowing your faithfulness to Christ and by God's grace, your family is walking with the Lord. The woman of faith will meet each season's assignment with faith, courage, character, and competence. The man of faith will see it and celebrate it.
And you know, there might be all kinds of grief and pain about how this hasn't been loved up to in the past, maybe some hurt and regret. And there's God's grace and mercy is abundant to, co- to cover over and heal those wounds and begin today pursuing God's vision for our lives. And may we be a church, a church that is marked by this kind of vision. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. Thank you for your brilliant design of the family, of mothers, of of the complement of gender, that in man and woman we could see more fully the image of God as you intended it to be. So Lord, may we be a church um, that celebrates faithfulness well. And today, in every season that we're in, may we be faithful to pursue you in fear of the Lord and to celebrate the things that honor you. We love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Fellowship, have a happy Mother's Day. Thanks for being with us. If you'd like somebody to join you in prayer, our prayer room's right over here to your right. The Thompsons are here and would love to go to the Lord with you. Be blessed. We'll see you.